Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. The Sports Complex with Patrick Davis of the Horn. Back to the Sports Complex on a Monday afternoon. I hope everybody had a great week. And on the show today, we will get in to some Texas basketball, an underwhelming performance at Houston, and another big matchup tonight. That is a feels like a pretty must-win game for Texas once again. Uh, tonight, we'll get into all of that other Big 12 basketball action. NCAA women's still doing great. We'll talk about that. NCAA baseball, how about that? Texas wins their first series of the season. We can get into that a little bit as well. We'll get into NBA All-Star Weekend as well. Very much a lot of news about disappointment, uh, a lot of news about the positives. We'll talk more about that as well as we get into the second hour of the show today. We'll also, of course, uh, talk a little about the Cowboys because, you know, it's not an NFL offseason if we're not breaking down and talking about the Cowboys nonstop. We'll get into that. And, of course, your text messages, 512-447-3776, 512-447-3776 is the text line number. That is uh, that is how you can get in touch with us. You guys can ask us questions, ask me questions, I should say. Uh, talk about what you guys want to talk about, what you thought over the weekend uh, what was your uh, what's your takeaways? We'll get the big fat poll of the day coming up here in a little bit. If you want to talk some Texas basketball or Texas football or, uh, or anything sports related, you can send that in on the text line because you guys drive the show. I just try to keep it on the rails. And then we can also tell you uh, that uh, it's a lot more fun when you participate and when you get into it and we can have a conversation. It is always a lot more fun, at least for me. I hope it's more fun for you, too. Uh, it was a good weekend. Got to watch. uh Watch some All-Star Weekend, some positives, some negatives. I'll get more into that in the 5 o'clock. And my solution or my my stab in the dark at trying to make the All-Star game a little bit better. We'll get into that in the 5 o'clock. Uh, I, but, you know, I, enjoyed, I the UFC fights were pretty good. Saw some fun UFC fights as well this weekend. I uh, got to go out and check out my buddy's new place. Enjoy a, a good weekend off, enjoying things. I know it's back on a President's Day. You know, some people are off today, so if you're off, that's awesome. I'm glad for you. If you're off and still tuning in, I really do appreciate it. Uh, tune in on a Monday 
Uh, but yeah, it's uh, it's been a good it was a good weekend. Would have preferred the day off. Who doesn't love a, a, a free Monday off for a holiday that you don't have to do any real work on? President's Day seems like a good holiday. You know, normally it's like you get the day off, but then like Fourth of July, you got to go out and party, which is good. But President's Day is a nice relaxing holiday. You don't got to do it. There's no President's Day thing that you got to go out and like the family doesn't get together for President's Day, do you? I don't know. Is there any traditions for President's Day I'm missing out that you're supposed to do? I don't know what it would be. Uh, but, yeah, I hope if you get the day off, that's very good. Three-day weekends, I'm a big fan of. I'm a big fan of. Uh, not a fan of uh, of Texas' effort against Houston this weekend. They lose to Houston 82-61. to Houston is a good basketball team. The number three team in the country, they're playing really good basketball right now. Uh, and, and I get I get people's frustration with this Texas team right now. Uh, you know, I, I went into the weekend, I, you know, Chan asked me, a man Chan on the text line asked me uh, at the end of the show, I said they had a 20, 25% chance to win because that's what I gave them to actually show up and want to play. Uh, and, and I don't know, I, I think there were some guys that showed up and really wanted it and really went hard at it. And I think there were guys who thought they were able to not have to do the amount of work that you knew what you were going to have to do. You were hoping that the matchup against Houston that you had here in Austin, you would be able to parlay a little bit of what you realized in the second half against them uh, into making that a better matchup. And, and it just came down to the fact, again, which is as much as I hate to put it on, you know, certain, you know what it is, the guard play wasn't where the guard play needed to be. And, you know, they, they were able to go small. You let LJ Cryer go off for 26 points. LJ Cryer has been pretty quiet in, you know, in the losses. You'll be able to shut him down. Yashid has been a guy who's been going off and doing better, but, you know, they combined. You can't let Cryer go off for 26. You can't let him get hot from behind the arc and go six for nine. You can't allow that. And I get there's only two guys who want to play defense in the guard position. And that's really what the problem has been in some of these games. Tyrese Hunter has not been the player he needed to be offensively this offseason. He just hasn't been. But when Max A. Smith goes two for 14 and one for five, Texas doesn't stand a chance in any of these games. Uh, for him to play 34 minutes, score seven points, he's just he's he's too much of a net negative when he's not scoring because his defense isn't what it needs to be and his rebounding isn't what it needs to be, and unfortunately that leaves it with you know what you get in that game where the guards play was just not up to to snuff at all. Dylan DeSue still played well in the game, 16 points in the game, tried to go hard, seven rebounds, you know didn't have a great game. But play tried to go out and play hard. Dylan Mitchell wasn't able to compete uh, at the level he needed to. The physicality, he wasn't able to get it in that game. Uh, Kendall Weaver did what he could do, but there's only so much he can do when, when the rest of the offense is not working. They had to go put an IT Horton who was going to go out and try and get it. And look, I'll tell you at the end of the day, I'm not, you know, you can't decide everything on plus minus. Uh, the plus minus stats, basically, the plus minus stats saying that when you were in the game, how did the point, how were the points affected? So when you were in the game, were you were the team in a positive mode or a negative mode? It doesn't mean everything because guys who play more minutes will sometimes uh, get logged with plus minus that they didn't really earn. They weren't the problem. They just played a lot of minutes. But if you look at the plus minus for Kendall Weaver and for IT Horton, it's not that bad. Both those guys played more minutes in a plus minus than, than you saw Dylan Mitchell, who was just really a net negative in the game as well. Didn't have the game he needed to, just didn't feel like he ever really got into it. Uh, you know, this is a game again. I know they're playing tough against Houston, but you know, you can't only shoot 16 free throws in that game. 
You you have to be able to if you're if you're Tyrese Hunter who shot zero free throws, if you're Max Aismas who shot three free throws, Kendall Weaver at least got five free throws because Kendall Weaver will go to the paint and not care. But if you don't want to be labeled as soft, you know you you can't. As a coach, you can tell people to go inside and go get dirty and get a foul if they're not willing to go do it. And Max Aismas has trained himself; he is really good at avoiding contact and getting his getting the ball out and creating separation as a smaller guy he t- tries to create separation at the end but when you create separation you're also getting away from a foul and so he doesn't get to the free throw line where a guy like Max A. Smith if you look at what those players do in the NBA it's a James Harden or a Trey Young who if their shot's not falling will still put up 20 points a game because they get to the free throw line and Max Aismas is not willing to do that, or he's not tried hard enough to do that in these series. Only shooting uh, five free throws in the game didn't go out and get what he needed. To, uh, three free throws in the game, I apologize. Three free throws didn't go out and get what he needed to get done. But two for 14, one for five from three, two of three from, from the free throw line. It's just not enough for a guy you need that. And it's not. I'm not blaming Max Aismas because he's being the player he is. The issue, I'll blame myself. I'll blame the other people who put you know, the hopes and, and, and the team management that they, you know, that too many hopes were put on Max Aismas being a next level player. And he's just not at, at the, at the high D one level. And he can play a lot. He's a great clutch scorer, One of the best clutch scorers in college basketball, but overall not able to get it done on that side. You turn the ball over 14 times. Tyrese Hunter with five turnovers, Max Aismas with three turnovers. You can't have that. And I get your ball handler, you're going to have some turnovers, but you can't have, you know, a Tyrese Hunter five turnovers to one assist. That's not good. You can't have that rate. All of those pieces. And it's, you know, you're going up against Houston team. This is what they do. This is what they go after. So you know you have to be close on it. You know you have to work hard on it. You know you can't allow them 17 offensive rebounds and 14 second chance points. You know you can't allow them that. And you did. They had 19 points off of turnovers. You know all of these things. And I can tell you, you know, all day we can talk about coaching and we can talk about preparation, and there's no way that they had a whole week off and this wasn't the main point of emphasis all week long. And they got out on the court and, you know, they, they didn't want to. And I've known the, the earlier games for this team, and it's unfortunate, but this is a team that still has a shot in the tournament depending on who their matchups are. But the teams that are going to be more physical, this team, other than Dylan DeSue, I won't put him in that bus because I'm not going to put him with everybody else who's not going to be as tough. Is too soft uh, for who they're going to be playing against when you go up against teams that want to play more physical, when you go up against a team that doesn't necessarily have the same talent level but can go get those grinders in. Uh, they just don't have that. And that's not the way the team was built. That's not what the preparation was going into the, going into the, the season. And unfortunately, you end up with games where you were never in it this was, you know, decided from the beginning because the effort wasn't there early on. The shot making wasn't there. And when it wasn't, the, the, the goal did not become, we just need to, you can't shoot more threes than free throws. If you can't hit shots, you have to get to the free throw line. And Texas consistently throughout the season has not gone out and guard play. And Tyrese Hunter and Max A. Smith have not made a mindset to drive the paint, put your head down, create contact, and go hit the deck hard and make them make the call. Because I know you're protecting yourself. I know what you're, I, I get it sucks, 
But, you know, that's what you have to do in these games. They didn't want to do that. You don't want to slow the game down that way. You don't want to take Houston out of it. You don't want to put Houston in foul. Like, all of those pieces, you have to be able to attack the paint and get fouled. The guys are 6'8", 6'9". They're going to play physical. They're great at moving their feet. But if you're able to quickly move and make sudden quick movements, this is things that guards do all the time. That's why those guards become elite because their scoring is consistent because when their scoring lacks on other sides, they get to the free throw line. Texas doesn't get to the free throw line against Houston. And I get the second half, you know, players didn't play as many minutes as they should have because you were just trying to figure out how to hang with this team and putting in different pieces. Caden Shedrick played 18 minutes. Brock Cunningham played 17 to try and get some peace out there. Neither one of their plus minuses were that bad. The starting lineup could not compete with Houston's starting lineup. That's the start and end of it, and I won't put Dylan DeSue in it. I know he didn't have a great game either, but he definitely had the best game on the team. I don't want to put him in there because he still he played. I mean, he showed up at least, and the rest of the team didn't as much. Kendall Weaver showed up. You just you know he's a, you know a sophomore. He's not going to be able to carry this team through it. Uh, it was a disappointing game against Houston. I, I didn't have them winning it. I had them losing, but I I wanted to see him put up more of a fight. I didn't want to see it get blown out and them never put up a fight in it. You know you don't want to lose the second half. You know, when they were letting you come back at the end of the game and you still lost the second half 34 to 42, that's disappointing. They were somewhat, I think, trying to save themselves and Rodney Terry trying to save themselves a little bit for today, knowing they were playing again on Monday. We'll get in that game in a second, but a disappointing game uh, for Texas fans on Saturday against Houston. It wasn't, you know, I wasn't expecting them to win. I was expecting them to compete, and I don't feel that the team and a lot of the guys on the team did compete at a high enough level on Saturday to make me believe that that team really, really wants to, wants to win. And, you know, that sure, that goes on to RT in the culture. Sure, that goes on to every single player on the court, that there's not the leader, that, you know, you lost guys that were leaders in Marcus Carr and Timmy Allen that we wanted you to go forward. You lost, you know, a lot of pieces like that. Uh, but they're going to need to take change, and I think it's – you know, a piece where if you know you're able to keep your recruits and keep going forward, which we have to say that all the time, you hope to keep what you can keep. Uh, it's going to look like a different team next year for sure. Uh, but I think they're the the team and everybody involved in it, from Chris Ogden, who's now the general manager, to the assistant coach to Rodney Terry, are all going to learn next year that this the the build of the 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 team management is going to have to take a change uh, of what you're looking for in that portal and what you're looking for in uh, in playing time and recruits and all of that and building a team. Because right now, uh, there's just guys that are not equaling up to the billing of what they should be performing at, what they could do against teams that, you know, can you compete against the best and compete against teams that are lower? And they can compete against teams that are lower, but the best are hurting them. And they still got three road games, and you got to win one of them. Now Kansas is is more winnable because they're not going to be as, you know, you don't have to, you can be a little bit softer against Kansas. You can be a little bit softer against Baylor. Like, those are teams where you can go set your own tone a little bit better, uh, at least defensively. Uh, but disappointing. Disappointing to see them not be able to show up against Houston. Didn't expect them to win, but expected them to show up. Uh, also around the Big 12 over the weekend, we saw Iowa State get another big win at home. Iowa State climbing up the rankings all the way up to number six now. Uh, they're 82-74 over the Tech. Uh, Keyshawn Gilbert had himself a really good game. Uh, but the reality is Iowa State points off of turnovers in this game. They won 28-0. Iowa State was able to take everything that Texas Tech did, create turnovers, get them to make mistakes, and they made them pay for it with 17 more shots, 28 points off of turnovers to zero from Tech. That gets them the win at home. Iowa State has been one of the most uh, taking advantage of everything anybody does 
uh, against some teams this season, and uh, they showed that again this weekend. TCU uh, gets a win on the road against K-State, 75-72. to K-State, Texas opponent tonight here in Austin. K-State coming off of a disappointing loss against TCU. Now, Micah Peavy puts up 26 points, and uh, K-State just shot the ball terribly. One for 15 from three-point range for K-State in that game against TCU. Big matchup uh, of number six Kansas versus number uh, six Kansas at number 25 Oklahoma. Thought Oklahoma might be able to put up a little bit more of a fight. Hunter Dickinson got in there and played tough. He goes for 20 points, 16 rebounds. Uh, the 6'9 the freshman from Australia, Furphy, Johnny Furphy, goes for 15 points, nine rebounds. They out rebound uh, Oklahoma. Kansas does 40 to 29. 30 to 14 wins of points in the paint for Kansas, and they're able to get a big win on the road against Oklahoma. Uh, we also saw Cincinnati uh, take on UCF. Cincinnati went into UCF, gets the win. They out-rebound them. They out-tough them. They get the win 76-74 to in a very close game. What interesting to see for Cincinnati. Victor Locken does not play in the game, uh, and that is a big piece for uh, Cincinnati. He's been a big piece, one of their more skilled players, but not tough enough to play the style of basketball Cincinnati wants to play and did not play, and they are able to get the win without him. Uh, and then the big matchup we will see uh, tonight that everybody is looking forward to. We'll talk Texas and Kansas State. That's not the matchup that everybody is waiting to see. Uh, Iowa State, number six Iowa State at number two Houston. Houston is a nine-point favorite in that game uh, tonight, which is surprising. Uh, surprising to see them be a nine-point favorite in that game. But uh, Iowa State there, they, you know, in the first matchup, they beat Houston uh, at Iowa State. Houston shot seven for 26 from three. Uh, they they make 16 turnovers in that first matchup. There's issues that Iowa State was able to do what they do well against Houston. It's going to flip now that Houston is back at home. Uh, but this is a game. It's going to be defensive. Can you get LJ Cryer, who Texas let get off, who hasn't been playing extremely well offensively? Can you slow him back down, get him back off of his game? Where you're playing that, and I think this is a game that you know Iowa State has had trouble winning. You know, games that are shootouts. Then when it gets up to 75, 80, that's when they start to have a little bit of trouble to create that amount of offense. They try and hold teams below that. Houston is a team you can hold underneath that. Uh, first to 65, that may be the the winner of tonight's game. Uh, Iowa State, Houston, looking forward to that one. And Texas has a big matchup. They're eight and a half point favorites in that game. I don't like that number for Texas because they haven't been able to blow a lot of teams out. They blew out West Virginia. Uh, but a lot of games have been close. K-State, uh, Jer- Jerome Tang's a-, a heck of a coach over there. Uh, K-State coming on, coming into Austin tonight, taking on Texas. Going to be a great matchup uh, for Texas to try and get back in the right track. This is a K-State team that also is not great. This is going to be a couple questions. Is for Texas, who, how are you, how are you going to, are you going to be able to dictate the size and pace of the game the way you want? K-State comes out in a smaller lineup. They play, uh, they play like a 6'9", 6'10", center that only plays usually about 10 minutes of a game. They play a guard 6'1", uh, point guard, that only plays about 10 minutes of the game, 10 to 15 minutes. They have some guys that don't play a ton of minutes but start for them, uh, and then they bring in off the second team some of the guys who will play a few more minutes. A couple other guys like uh, Gerald uh, Colbert is the guy who plays about 10 minutes to start off. Will McNair Jr. is going to come in. Those are the guys Dylan DeSue is going to be dealing with. Can he get them in foul trouble? Can he get going? Dylan DeSue's big in this game because they don't necessarily have a guy uh, in the paint who is a stopper, stopper, and, and guys have been able to score in the paint against K-State. Can Dylan DeSue keep that going and stretch out and hit some threes and take advantage of that deal? Uh, but you're going to have to figure out, can you get them to go smaller? 
because if they go smaller, you're going to be able to play them a little bit better. The problem is some of their better scores are all a little bit smaller. That means you're going to put Max Aismas on one of those guys, and if Max Aismas is guarding one of their better scorers, it could lead to trouble for Texas down the road uh, just because Max Aismas has not necessarily been the elite defender you need him to be. So when they play a couple guards at six one six six foot, and then you put in a guy who's about six five to six nine into that matchup, it could cause problems uh, for Texas as they keep as they're not going to be able to dictate necessarily the defensive matchups that they want. Kendall Weaver having to, having to play against uh, a taller player that's not something that they're necessarily set up to do. Uh, when he gets put against uh, Kaluma, Kaluma's six six seven to six nine. That's probably where Kendall Weaver's going to have to put some of his game if they play big. And Dylan Mitchell's going up against someone bigger. Maybe Damian Kaluma will be playing the four, and that's where Dylan Mitchell can go. That's what Texas wants to dictate uh, to play that. But Carter and Perry are two guys that can score, and whoever's got Max Aismas on him, that's going to be what they're going to. Tyrese Hunter's still a good defender, uh, but Max Aismas, we've seen whoever he's guarding has a tendency to kind of get off. And that's going to be a problem for Texas tonight. They have to figure that out. They have to dictate pace, and they have to create turnovers. Not make their own, uh, but create some on the other side. Uh, K-State's been prone to turn the ball over. If you can create that and turn those into points, uh, you can get away with a win here. Eight and a half point favorites. I wouldn't take the bet. I'll tell you that. But I think Texas can get a win tonight. All right. Uh, Let's also mention... Uh, Texas women's team did play this weekend as well. They handle business 81 to 60. Uh, they're ranked number five. I believe they're staying number five in the AP poll. Uh, but a lot of love going out this week. You're seeing that for Shea Holly, who has one of her better games of the season, at least stats wise, uh, with a 16, four and six game. But in reality, I think, you know, that kind of put her a little bit more on people's radar who hadn't been paying attention to what she's been doing since the Rory Harmon injury. But, uh, a lot of love has been given to Shea Holly this entire weekend for her just being the glue and being the piece that has kept this team together and going forward in Roy Harmon's injury, just doing everything that is necessary. One of those players that wanted to play for Texas, that came to Texas, where, what Rod Baver says, do you play at Texas or do you play for Texas? She plays for Texas, uh, and she's just been a lot of fun to watch because uh, just a dynamic player who doesn't care. And, you know, Especially when you watch women's basketball and guards, in college, I think in the WNBA, you're not going to find too many people who don't want to go down and get dirty. But in college basketball, you may find some that don't necessarily want to go out and play the way she plays basketball. And it's it just it's a ton of fun to watch Jay Holly play. So great, great to see that she is getting some recognition and love after a really good game against Iowa State. They play again on Wednesday. Uh, but that Texas women's team is doing some work. Uh, one of the top teams in the country. Because once you get up in that top five rank, those are some really elite special teams. Uh, so seeing what they're able to do with that Roy Harmon injury kind of put a, a damper. Shea Holly has been the piece uh, to keep that going and keep that piece moving forward and keeping Texas women's basketball moving forward. All right, why don't we take a quick break? We'll come back, uh, talk about a little NCAA baseball. How about Texas baseball uh, winning the series? Not sweeping, but winning the series against San Diego over the weekend. We'll talk about that, play a little sound from Hook'em Up with Ian Rob B, and uh, get to the text line. We come back here. Actually, you know what? We didn't hit the big fat poll of the day either. Let's hit that before we go to break. How about that? Big fat poll of the day on the horn. Sorry, my notes are all out of order. Uh, big fat poll of the day today. Text line's open. 512-447-3776 is the text line. Uh, the question for the day, a lot of people complaining about the all-star game this weekend, complaining uh, about... Who did that? The competition was not where it needed to be. 
And I know a lot of people are bringing out and making statements about uh, what they would do to fix the All-Star Game. So what we're asking on the text line today is who or how, sorry, how would you fix the All-Star Game? What would you do to try and fix the All-Star Game? Uh, if you, you had your druthers, what would you say? I want to get your solutions. I'll tell you mine in the 5 o'clock, but I want to keep getting yours, so we'll get those throughout the day. Uh, anything else you want to talk about, hit us up on the text line, 512-447-3776. We'll get to that when we come back here on the Sports Complex in the Horn 1019 AM 1260, the Horn app, hornfm.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. The Sports Complex with Patrick Davis on The Horn. Back on the Sports Complex on a Monday afternoon. Uh, keeping the show rolling right along. Text lines open, 512-447-3776. How would you fix the All-Star game for the NBA? A little people people disappointed about that game once again this year. Has been an ongoing issue. Uh, I'll talk more about my idea in the 5 o'clock, but I'd love to get some of yours before we get to that. We'll get to that, uh, so keep throwing that text in there. Anything else you want to talk about? Texas basketball, Texas football, NFL, any of that. We'll get to all of those texts in just a minute. I uh, do want to mention... Uh, and uh, Texas baseball does go out and win two out of three over uh, San Diego over the weekend. We saw uh, Jalen Flores hit the grand slam in game one, take the lead that they don't give back up. LeBaron Johnson goes five innings, two earned runs in that game. Bullpen looks pretty good in that game. Uh, then on Saturday, that is a game they lost in extra innings. Uh, Charlie Hurley gets a start there, uh, does okay, but throws a couple too many balls out. Uh, we also saw uh, that – uh, Jared Thompson, uh, Jared Thomas, and Peyton Powell combined for five hits in that game. The one and two hitter in the lineup. The rest of the team combined for five hits. They weren't able to get it going in the rest of that lineup. Starting off early, though, those two guys looked good. They're going to have to continue to get the rest of that lineup a little bit more flexed out, get them a little bit more comfortable uh, in hitting uh, to get some of those guys home. Uh, that became a problem, but they do lose game uh, two on Saturday, five to six in eleven innings. And then went on Sunday nine to four. Terrence uh, Tanner Witt does get to start in that game. Only pitches uh, gets credit for one inning. Does force fa- does face four batters in the second inning. Uh, allows three uh, walks, two runs uh, come through for him as well. Uh, not the best outing. Not what they wanted to see out of Tanner Witt uh, coming back out of the locker room or coming back out of the dugout uh, for that second inning. That's going to be something they have to keep figuring out. Uh, they do get out there. They do end up. Uh, coming back and getting the win 9-4, to though, uh, winning that game in Game 3. They do take on Houston Christensen. 
Houston Christian on Tuesday. So that should be a good matchup uh, against Houston Christian on Tuesday to keep the keep it rolling. San Diego was a better uh, was a pretty good matchup for them to start out the season. One that is not one of the best teams in the country, but a team that has some power and some uh, some ability to score. So a uh, good matchup to start off the season. Uh, they'll continue to go down. They do play on tomorrow, so we'll are more. Yeah, they play tomorrow, so we'll talk more about them uh, tomorrow and Wednesday. Seeing if this Texas team can continue to play and uh, get better and better and better as the season goes on. Hoping for big things out of Texas baseball. All right, I do want to play you uh, some sound from this morning. Go behind the burnt orange curtain with Rod Babers and Aaron Hogan on Hook 'Em Up. It's a Hook 'Em Up replay here on the Sports Complex on the Horn 1019, AM twelve sixty, the Horn app, and HornFM.com. <laughs> All right, got a couple of uh, mock drafts that I want to look at, and then we'll look at uh, the Sark contract, which is uh, a it is a uh, fantastic contract if you're Steve Sarkeesian, but uh, it is a big one. It is a huge one, well-deserved. So we'll get into some of the details of uh, Steve Sarkeesian's new deal. First, I want to get into some of these mock drafts. So 33rd, uh, the 33rd NFL team, they call themselves the 33rd team and the Twitterverse, uh, they're – NFL website covers the NFL. They came out with their mock draft. Their latest mock draft has Byron Murphy as the first Longhorn off the board at 21 going to the Miami Dolphins. Um, so that is uh, one of the first mock drafts I've seen with Byron Murphy going to the Miami Dolphins. NFL.com had a three-round mock draft recently. They have Byron Murphy, first Longhorn off the board, going to the Indianapolis Colts at pick 15. Uh, says the Colts missed Grover Stewart when he served a six-game suspension last season. He's now due to become a free agent, so finding an active, strong interior defender like Murphy uh, meets a major need. So they got Murphy going 15. They actually have the Miami Dolphins taking a Longhorn, too. They got the Miami Dolphins taking J.T. Sanders. Uh, at 21, they say Sanders is an underappreciated prospect right now, but partially because of his lack of targets with the Longhorns, he'll be a strong pro excelling in the Mike McDaniel system as a foil to Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle. So they got J.T. Sanders' stock increasing to become a first-round pick. That's huge. Uh, the Just so you know, for Texans Cowboys fans, uh, in this three-round mock draft, they got the Texans taking Tyler Guyton, Oklahoma offensive tackle. Cowboys taking uh, Troy uh, Fautanu, the offensive tackle from Washington. Uh, so you got the Cowboys taking O-lineman, O-tackle, uh, and they also have the Texans taking an offensive tackle too. All right, getting back to the Longhorns, they got Jonathan Brooks going 39th in the second round. Remember I told you the second round is going to be loaded with Longhorns, and I think it will be four or five Longhorns potentially taken in the second round alone. Uh, they'll have uh, Jonathan Brooks here 39th overall to the New York Giants in this mock draft, which makes sense. He's still the top running back on the board no matter – which big board you're looking at a ranking. They got Jonathan Brooks as the top running back on the board. Right after Jonathan Brooks at 39, they got A.D. Mitchell uh, going 40th overall to the Washington Commanders. I'm sure he probably wished he went to a better quarterback situation, but, hey, Washington may have an upgrade at quarterback, and they got A.D. Mitchell going in the second round here at pick 40 overall. They got the Raiders taking Tavondre Sweat at 44th overall in this three-round mock draft for NFL.com, which is the first time I've seen him being mocked to the, to the Las Vegas Raiders. Uh, yeah, and just to continue, the, the, they got the Cowboys taking Jalen Wright, a running back from Tennessee in the second round, just if you're a Cowboys fan and you were interested in what, what they were doing. Getting back to the Longhorns, they got Xavier Worthy. I don't think Xavier Worthy is going to drop this far, but it is a really deep wide receiver draft, and right now he is seen as probably the 10th or 11th 
uh, highest rated wide receiver in this class. I think his draft stock will increase, though, and I don't think he'll go this late. But they got him going 60th to the Buffalo Bills. Uh, this NFL.com three-round mock draft, they got him going 60th. That would be pretty late. I think a team will trade up, actually, and go get Xavier Worthy if he starts dropping like that because he's a punt returner. He'll be one of the fastest receivers in this draft, extremely productive in college. I think some team is going to fall in love with Xavier Worthy on the board there. Uh, getting back to Texas and Cowboys in this three-round mock draft, they got the Texans taking Kate Stover, the tight end from Ohio State with 86. Cowboys taking the center. From Georgia, Cedric Von Pron, Von Pronger, Pron, Pron Granger, excuse me, Pron Granger. Uh, he is the 80. They got him going 87 to the Cowboys at center. So they got the Cowboys taking two offensive linemen in the uh, first three rounds there. The Ringer had their mock draft recently, their latest mock draft from the Ringer. Uh, Benjamin uh, Solak, who does a really good job. He's got Byron Murphy going 17th as the first Longhorn off the board uh, in that draft. Just to go back to the Cowboys, they got the Texans taking Brian Thomas Jr. in this this mock draft, this first-round mock draft at 23 overall. Cowboys drafting right after that. They got the Cowboys taking Jerzon Newton, the interior defensive lineman for Illinois. He's seen by some. Bucky Brooks had him as the top defensive tackle on the board. I think Byron Murphy actually is going to end up being the top B tackle on the board. I think Byron Murphy actually has better numbers, and I think he has better film um, than the kid from Illinois, Jerzon Newton, um, from what I've seen so far. Um, NFL.com also came out with their overall big board. Um, and they ranked uh, top 50, basically Daniel Jeremiah's top 50 prospects, his big board. Not a mock draft, just a big boy. He's just ranking every prospect. He's got Byron Murphy, the 22nd best prospect overall in the draft, A.D. Mitchell, 34th. He's got J.T. Sanders, 41st. He's got Xavier Worthy, 43rd. And he's got Tavondre Sweat, 48th. So essentially, he's got five Longhorns in his top 50 prospects. Remember I told you, that second round for Longhorns is going to be loaded. You may get four or five picks just in that second round alone uh, for the Longhorns. And also, depending on what happens with, with Jonathan Brooks, there are some people who got him sneaking up potentially in that second round too because he'll be the uh, top running back on the board. Uh, Pro Football Focus have their latest mock draft. Uh, they have Byron Murphy, first Longhorn off the board, going to the Raiders. A lot of people think the Raiders do need interior defense alignment. I've seen both Tavondre Sweat in the second round and Byron Murphy in the first round mocked to uh, the Raiders, and they have him at going 13th overall. And they do have him as the top D tackle because they got Jerzy Newton going 18th later on to the Cincinnati Bengals. Uh, oh, <laughs> the Raiders once again. Uh, they in this same mock draft from Pro Football Focus, they have A.D. Mitchell. Oh, A.D. Mitchell. I'm sure loves this. They got him going 31st overall uh, in this draft here. Um, so 31st overall, that'd be a pretty damn good because um, that'd be to the San Francisco 49ers. Oh, there's a lot of talk that they may end up trading Brandon Ayuk but if they don't want to sign Brandon Ayuk to a brand new deal. If that's the case, they'll definitely be looking for wide receiver help uh, in the draft. And don't forget, my man Shano is a wide receiver uh, by trade. Uh, so there, there you go. That's the mock drafts uh, that I've seen. You guys know I'm a mock slut, so I'll I'll give you guys any information on mock drafts. I think it kind of gives you like a random good gauge as to where 
most of the insiders see these guys being drafted. But until the combine, that's when it will really solidify the evaluations and data points for these guys. And I think the combine is actually going to help a lot of these Longhorns increase their draft stock. I, I think Devondre Sweat's draft stock is going to go up. I think Byron Murphy's draft stock is going to go up. Xavier Worthy, A.D. Mitchell, J.T. Sanders. I think all those guys' draft stock is actually going to increase. I think they're all going to work out really yeah, well. Agreed. Uh, and I don't think it's crazy for the Cowboys to take two offensive linemen in their first three or four picks. I that's mean, what you got them, yeah. I mean, that's because, you know, the big story that dropped over the weekend, Cowboys-related, is Fort Worth Star-Telegram. Actually, it was Clarence Hill of the Fort Worth Star-Telegram who, who said yeah. mm-hmm. he talked to Tyron Smith's agent, and, you know, his agent confirmed that he's not planning to retire. So, you know, essentially Tyron Smith is saying, I'm going to play. And so if he's going to play, he's either going to play somewhere else or the Cowboys got to get a new contract for him. Uh, And in their current cap situation, can they afford – I mean, Tyron Smith's second-team All-Pro last year. Yes, he was. At 33 years old. I don't think he's taking a hometown discount. He's looking to get paid one more time. Mm -hmm. Um, So we'll see. And then they've got their offensive center, uh, Tyler Biotish, who needs a contract. So, you know, they were thin on the offensive line anyhow. Uh, because That's Terrence true. Steele had a rough year this year at right tackle, so it really wasn't a strength of their team. And so, yeah, it wouldn't be surprising to see them take two 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 offensive linemen because uh, I think they feel like they can move Tyler Smith back out to right left tackle if Tyron Smith moves oh, yeah, on. he's versatile. And you could yep. draft an interior guard, right? Maybe Because yep. at 24, you may end up getting the best interior guard on the board. And they like to take the best talent available. And that was like a Zach Martin thing, right? Zach Martin was like 17, what, 16 or 17? Yep. That's where you start getting the best centers and best ta- guards because the tackles, top tackles are off the board. Well, Tyler um, Smith played tackle at Tulsa, right? Yes. And he played right but tackle? They, yeah, and they moved him yeah. inside? Yeah, they projected him as a guard when they drafted him and the possible heir apparent for, for Tyron Smith. That was yes, kind of the plan. Exactly right. And I think it's trending that direction. But now you've got to replace the guard, and you may have to replace your center. So those are not sexy picks, but the Cowboys need them. Uh, yeah. And they don't have a lot of money to hit the open market and be looking for them. I agree. Uh, they're going to have to to upgrade, and the draft is the way to do that. So that's not crazy. And I, I they need a running back too, Rod, if they're not bringing Tony Pollard back. And I think that same draft had him taking a running back in the second prime. So had him taking I, the that first would not round. shock me at all to see them go yeah. O-line, running back, O-line. That's exactly what they did in that mock draft. So it, it makes perfect sense to me too. And honestly, Jonathan Brooks could be – they might have run a running back that can help them right away though because they do – Jonathan Brooks may end up sitting a year, kind of a red shirt year in the league uh, with that injury. Uh, okay, before – before we get done here, Sark's new contract, it is a doozy. Straight cash, homie, goes from making uh, five, what, the extension prior to the extension, he signed $5.8 million he was due to make in year four, $6 million uh, in year five, $6.2 million in year six. Now with the new extension, he has an increase in guaranteed compensation of 78%. He's going to make $10.3 million in his uh, year four extension, and he'll make 100000 more uh, each year automatically. It increases 100000 each year until. Until 2030. Uh, also, lots of uh, perks with this new deal. Uh, it makes him the third highest paid coach in college football, trailing only Kirby Smart and Dabo Sweeney. Uh, the perks are great, too. He gets two dealer cars. He gets a club membership, access to the private jet for 20 hours. Uh, he also gets a bonus of 300000 I think, April when everything becomes official, official. And he gets access to a lot of tickets. So, of course, it is uh, perks on top of perks. Um, that's part of being the head coach of the University of Texas. Uh, but also uh, for Sark, he bumped his, he bumped and extended his coordinators and most of his assistant coaches. The only coaches who were not bumped and extended, I think everybody bumped, everybody got bumped a little bit of uh, extra money. But I believe the coordinators and uh, the other coaches were extended through 2026. But 
I believe uh, Terry Joseph and Blake Gideon, if I'm not mistaken, from what I saw, their extension only runs through 20, 2024. So I believe that Sark probably wants the opportunity to upgrade there if necessary. If he doesn't see the development that he envisions for that secondary and for their coverage in year four, uh, remember they, they devoted a lot of their talent acquisition this cycle to the defensive backfield. Probably was the last phase of roster construction for them since they've been on campus. Five DBs coming in the recruiting class. You're bringing in Makuba as a six DB. You had more losses there uh, via the transfer report than any other position. So you've completely overhauled now your defensive backfield on top of infusing a young Derek Williams, a young Malik Muhammad, who should get better next year. Terrence Brooks should be better. You, you retain Jade Barron. He came back, potentially could have went into the NFL draft, bringing in Makuba. If your secondary is not a strength this upcoming season, I could see Sark potentially looking to upgrade uh, at that position because Terry Joseph and Blake didn't have really been uh, recruiting well in the defensive backfield, but now it's about development with that group, and if they don't see the development they want, I potentially you could see Sark and PK looking to upgrade. So that's probably why they weren't extended and bumped. Um, but I don't think it's an indictment on the coaches yet. I just think the coaches, Sark wants to give himself a little bit of flexibility uh, just in case they don't see the development in the defense backfield. You think about it, guys, every phase, every level of the defense, offense, and special teams has improved from year one to year three. The only area where you can, you can really criticize and say they have not had marked improvement is in the secondary and in coverage and their reliability this year. You play elite quarterbacks, whether it be a Michael Penix or a Dylan Gabriel, those are your two losses last year. You'll probably have one or two opportunities where you'll play elite quarterbacks next season, and you can't afford for that to always be your vulnerability and be exposed every time you go up against elite QB play. So there you go. Good stuff there. Going behind the burnt orange curtain with Rob Babers and Aaron Hogan. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we will get to the text line, 512-447-3776. Uh, poll of the day today. What What is your fix? How would you fix the NBA All-Star game? Another another game that people, another disappointing performance where there was not really much effort. Uh, tons of scoring, not a lot of effort. Uh, how would you fix it? Send that in the text line. Anything else you want to talk about, send it in 512-447-3776. We'll get that when we come back here on the Sports Complex in the Horn 1019, AM 1260, the Horn app, and hornfm.com. The Sports Complex of the Horn. Back on the Sports Complex here on the Horn on a Monday afternoon. Text lines open 512-447-3776. 512-447-3776. We are uh, going to talk a little more All-Star Weekend in the 5 o'clock because there has been 
some talk about it in the, the, the positives and the negatives, a lot of the negatives, but that's a lot of people that just want to be negative and they're going to talk about that. So we'll get into that. We might talk about Micah Parsons too uh, because he was a, a center of conversation today. Uh, we'll get into all of that in the 5 o'clock. The big fat poll today is All-Star related. What would you do to fix the All-Star game? Uh, what would you do for that? We'd love to get that text. Anything else you want to talk about, Texas basketball, Texas football, any of that, you send that text in. We'll get to it. Uh, starting off in the text line, uh, Chan says, think bringing in Chris J with two minutes left was too late. I love the fact uh, that Tyrese was cutting into the basketball. Yeah, I mean, uh, and then also he says, last year we had stalwarts, Timmy, Dylan, Rice, Marcus, who helped with buckets. Uh, we don't have the same number of players such as season. And, and Serge by Rice was a transfer. Like, he was a new guy that came in but fit that vibe of what they were trying to do very well uh, and established and had leadership on the court. And guys who were going to push the ball on the court – and where they were looking for that this season, when those guys are not producing, uh, you know, I, it's too it's two edged sword, right? That if Max Aismas and Tyrese Hunter are not producing offensively, and if Max Aismas is not producing offensively, then he's not producing defensively. He's not producing rebounding. Then at a certain point, it's hard for him to be a leader because now you're like, well, he's putting up 15 shots, he's hit two. I'm not shooting, but I have to cover for him when his guy gets blown past. Uh, I think that there's a point where you could say. Uh, that you know, it's just hard to have that leadership. Dylan Nasu is probably trying to do his best, uh, but it's hard to do. Uh, they need to get some more of those guys. I think you know that's kind of what the plan may be more of next year is to bring in a couple more younger guys. They do have some really good uh, young guys coming in. Rely on Chris Johnson. Rely on the young guys that are the freshmen that will be coming in next year and start to try and rebuild uh, a Rodney Terry culture uh, that was kind of you know it took Texas years before to get to where they were, and I think they need to reset a little bit more. They thought they could pull one more year out of it with the guys they brought in. Uh, IT Horton has been a disappointment. Max Aismas has not been the guy that we thought he could be, uh, and you just realized that you know you weren't able to bring in enough. Kendall Weaver was definitely a massive home run because uh, you were thinking that he may be able to help a little bit, and he has turned into a really good player. Uh, but they just, you know, roster management just struck out more than you could do uh, to be a top, you know, top 20 team this year. Uh, so they just need to try and get together and get a big win tonight. Ardov says, can Vic Schaefer coach the men's team? No. And I'll tell you this. there's I don't know if there's a women's coach. The way you're allowed to coach women's basketball versus the way you coach men's in today's game because there's way more options for the best men's players to go to, uh, you can't coach the same way. If, if, they, if men's coaches yelled as much as women's coaches do at their players and broke them down the way – that men, women's coaches are allowed to do because there's like 10 teams. Reality, if you want to compete to be a top player, there's about 10 to 15 women's basketball teams in college basketball where you can really take a shot to win something big. Uh, and Texas is one of them. But there's not enough programs where in, in college basketball you can go to a lot of different places and compete. Uh, so it's much harder to keep players. If, if, if Vic Schaefer coached the men's team, we would have no recruits and no players in two years. Like it would be, and they'd be okay. He'd still make an okay team, but it would not. I don't know if it would work out in the way uh, I think the men's team would. Uh, they would. They would not necessarily want to take the abuse that they would be getting. Uh, that has changed very much. The transfer portal has changed uh, the way you coach, and that's why a lot of those older coaches are getting out of the game now. Is because it's just harder to to you know keep your players, and, and that's in every sport. It just is. Uh, and Texas says, "Get rid of the slam dunk competition." At this point, it's a complete joke. I don't think it's a complete joke. I do have a, I do have a suggestion for that as well. Uh, and just getting rid of things—that's not. We can't say it's a solution. 
because there's sponsorable elements, there's money involved in that, and the, the NBA is not getting rid of anything. They need to fix things. But the slam dunk contest, the, the problem with the slam dunk contest was they kept overrating Jalen Brown. But we'll talk about that more in the five. But there was decent dunks. That first Mac McClung dunk was awesome. But there's there's other issues with that. Yeah, that that I think the guys now get a, a bad rep for that isn't necessarily fully on them. Uh, let's see. Even though the reason the Cowboys lost to Green Bay was due to the poor showing out of Dan Quinn's defense and not Dak Prescott, do you believe he's the reason why they cannot reach the next level? What do the Cowboys need to do besides Jerry Jones stepping aside? I mean, Jerry Jones stepping aside is – I don't think that's entirely it. I think that makes everything easier because then we don't have to guess that Jerry Jones is going to do the right thing and make it work. Uh, I, you know, I don't think they're as far away, but I think that the the culture of we'll get them next time is too much there, that it is a very friendly, like positive environment, and I think you do need to put some more, uh, a little bit more fire and intensity and in, in urgency. I don't know if there's an urgency involved in that Cowboys team. And we'll, we can get more to that, but that's, you know, I, you know, there's accountability and urgency, and I don't know if the Cowboys always have that on either side of the ball, but I don't think Dak is the one. And I mean, yes, if you get Patrick Mahomes, yeah, great. It changes a lot of things, but I don't know what quarterback you're getting that's necessarily going to be all of a sudden change everything in that locker room. We'll get to this one too before we hit the break. Uh, Tech Locksmith Ryan says, I remember when Bucky told Chris Beard during an interview that this town doesn't care about basketball. It seems like it's true because all other sports are doing better than basketball team. There's two things on this. When people say this town or this doesn't care about basketball, they're saying I don't care and I live in this town. The normal sense, I get texted, someone says I, no one cares about this and I'll get five texts that say they do. It just is what it is. People will always say that I, that if you don't care, that no one else does because me and my group of friends don't care. So why should, why should anybody else? Uh, the Moody Center was selling tickets. The people will care about basketball. Not to the same level as football, no. Uh, I, but I don't think that's necessarily the case. I think in college basketball, you can't necessarily keep the team at a high level year after year after year. It's very hard to do, and certain programs have a better chance of doing it because they have historic arc. Texas doesn't have history in winning in basketball, so it's not a blue-blood basketball school. So you have to rebuild your team, and that's always been the case at Texas is you get high. They got to an Elite Eight last year, and normally when they get to Elite Eight, they don't necessarily stretch that out for a long run. So the the expectations have to be different. You can't expect, well, we just be good every year because there's so many players. You go, well, if we say the average best player in the in college basketball will stay under one or stay one season or under, or, or not under two seasons, let's say under two, the average. So a couple guys may stay two, but most guys are going to stay for one. And then you can try and add on other pieces like a Dylan DeSue, who's going to play a few more years. and can be really great as last season. You were hoping Tyrese Hunter, when he transferred in for Iowa State, would be that kind of thing. And then you want to add pieces in the transfer portal. But in the transfer portal, guys like Hunter Dickinson will not come to Texas because they'd rather go to a Kansas where there is going to be more money in the transfer portal for basketball there. And they're going to be able to you know, offer him a position of this is Kansas basketball. It means something more than Texas basketball means to everybody who doesn't live in Texas. It's just what it is. So you have to look at the expectations of it where Texas can compete for sure. But like saying that Houston, that Houston cares more about Houston basketball than they care about the Rockets or uh, more than about football. That's crazy too. Houston, you know, isn't necessarily the biggest basketball city for college basketball either. And they're doing just fine. Uh, I think you just have to build a little differently. The problem is Texas wants Texas cares too much about winning and not about watching, 
And so people will go to games, but instead of caring about what the actual world of college basketball is, they assume you can win every single year. And that's just really, really hard to do, especially when you're not a blue blood school. It just becomes harder and harder to do. I mean, even look at Kentucky's now. They have issues. And North Carolina has issues and they can't be up every year. And Duke has issues and can't be up every year. And they're expecting Texas to do it without that tradition and without the players recruiting. Now, KD's helping, but there's a lot of factors that go into it. I, I think people do care more, and, and Austin isn't the city that we all grew up in that you know it was much more centered about one thing. There's way more transplants, and they're going to care about other things too. Uh, that's why the Spurs are trying to get stuff here done here and get more to be more of a Spurs team. That's why they're coming in a few weeks uh, to come play in, in Austin. They want to make, that, uh, they make uh, Austin a Spurs town as well. All right, we're going to take a quick break. We'll come back. Uh, We'll get into more of your text messages, 512-447-3776. Talk about the All-Star Game and All-Star Weekend, and a little bit about Micah Parsons and his name being thrown around today, sometimes not in the nicest way, uh, and what you guys think about that. We'll get into that in the 5 o'clock here on the Sports Complex in the Horn 1019 and 1260, the Horn app, hornfm.com.